Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Gary Michael Schultz, and this is Cinematic Quicksand. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to introduce the Cindy Lou Who to my Grinch, my co-host, the Doge. Wow, beautiful, Gary. Really nailed it. Tis my season to shine. We're going into Christmas season, and I'm a fan. You're a little more into the spirit of giving than I am, I'll have to say. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I think that <laughs> Christmas is definitely a great time for me, and I always try to get you excited about Christmas, but uh, it's, it's pretty hard. Admittedly, I am a bah humbug type of person, but I'll have to say, I have a confession to make. Yes. I think I like Christmas movies. Wow, you not a big fan of Christmas, but a big fan of Christmas movies. You nailed it right there. When you watch Christmas movies, you know that nothing bad's really going to happen. Yes, right? there's a, there's a blind there's optimism that, that is in the genre that is Christmas yeah, you, movies. You need that. That's what Christmas is about. That's one of the themes. When you have a Christmas movie, you know you're going to get a few things, obviously. And hope is one of them. And I don't <laughs> think that's a bad thing to have in a movie. What are you most looking forward to this Christmas? You know, going back to Chicago... So it's going to be cool to see some friends and family, obviously, but you got to love the snowfall. The first Christmas snowfall, if you can get some snow on Christmas and then get out before it gets all like gray, then it's <laughs> fucking perfect. Like if you can nail that, come in, get a little bit of snow and then you're leaving while like the snow is all like... That Black. is next to impossible to do. It's hard Chicago. to time. It's hard it really to time. Is. I will it's not. So I will not time it right because I'll probably <laughs> be stuck there for like two months in like eight feet of like black snow, and I would not be happy. But there's still some Christmas hopefulness inside me that I'll be able to see a little snow and get out before it. That's a nice me. Christmas card memory that you've put together in your head. My experience of living in Chicago for over 30 years was the exact opposite. Uh, I got so fed up with just mountains of snow and blistering yeah. cold sideways wind that I don't need the looking through a window at the picturesque fa la 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 white you snow. You don't need a little okay? like fireplace going. No, man. Little, at this point, I will put Christmas, Christmas lights on a palm tree in order to avoid that shit. You know, I gotta, I gotta admit, I think I love Christmas so much because as an only child, my like mom and dad went all out for Christmas. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's like Christmas village. My mom would like just take over the whole like living room, <laughs> just all these like little houses. And of course, put my GI Joes there and raid it and do all that shit. But what was crazy, what was cool about me that I didn't realize is that when Santa delivered my gifts, all my gifts were put together, ready to go. What? I would walk down the stairs and it would just be toys like built, ready for action. Like literally like out of a Christmas movie. Yeah. Like, no one's parents shit. do that. Yeah. No one's parents do that. My, my parents were like, oh, let's get stoned to the bone and build this G.I. Joe tank tonight and watch our kid freak out, which I did every time. It was just yeah. like just right there, man. No, no waiting for it to build. Like it's a, it was a that's amazing. Movie. And one day we're gonna do an episode that's gonna be, I don't know, an episode on therapy. And we need to really dig into the fact that you were loved so much as a child. Basically, causing <laughs> yeah. issues with, with, with your love life now. Like, love. It's just yeah. impossible. Yeah. yeah, totally. You know, like you can't win, even if you love your kid. <laughs> like you can't love them too much because I cannot top the, those Christmas memories. And you're always kind of like chasing that high. And whenever Christmas comes around, I think about those times growing up, and they're they're amazing. So it's 
really easy for me to get excited about Christmas. You wow. Know? You know what's easy for me to get excited about at Christmas time? What? I'm wondering when your mom's going to be sending the fudge. Oh, yeah. The, the fudge is going to be happening. Fudge, right. banana bread, like Ooh, all, all the jams. Dude. I can get into the Christmas sweet yeah. treats. Yeah. For sure. So <laughs> at least that, you know, if it's maybe not for the holiday cheer, at least the, the holiday cookie exchange, you know? Yes. Like, I will put aside you. my bah humbug attitude for the cookie exchange and to do this episode. Well, there you I go. Will do that. Right on. <laughs> well, let's just, uh, you know, feed your bah humbug spirit and dig into these triple xmas films bro we love home alone we love christmas vacation we love yeah. elf we love all the ones that everyone has talked about and watches endlessly we will be watching those as well exactly but on this episode we're talking triple xmas these are the bad boys of christmas movies yeah these are the ones that you know you might not feel all warm and fuzzy after watching these you know and that's okay you know we want we want to make the the Christmas a little edgier sometimes. We are kicking this one off with the 2010 Finnish film. That's Finnish, not I'm finished. That's right, Finland. <laughs> All right, there you go. Finland, Finnish. We are talking rare exports. This mountain is like a giant icebox. Rare exports, directed by Jalamari Hellander. This film stars Ani Tamila. And Jorma Tamala, that is a father-son duo playing father and son, Patari Cantillo and Rano Cantillo. We're going to refer to him as Peter and his dad. Yeah, you know, father-son <laughs> there. Uh, let's just keep it a little uh, simple for the finish, you know? This is an awesome Christmas film. <laughs> it really is. And I don't even know if it's so much a Christmas film, but it is about Santa and it does take place on Christmas, but it's not your normal warm your heart. <laughs> no, it is certainly not. It is not. But it is excellent. So basically in the depths of these mountains in Finland on Christmas Eve, Santa Claus is unearthed in an archaeological dig. See, we finally found something else than just plain rocks and dirt. Soon after that, the children in the nearby villages start disappearing and that leads peter and his father to go and capture santa with the help of a group of fellow hunters and then they look to sell santa back to the corporation that sponsored the dig who yeah. are on to the fact that there's something chris kringle like stuck in the mountain and this is a christmas movie unlike any i've ever seen yeah it is definitely a bizarre movie that is played so incredibly straight you hear this idea and you're like okay that sounds insane ridiculous kind of fun kind of cheesy this movie is not cheesy this movie no, is no. fucking dead serious it's shot beautifully like it's the gorgeously is yeah. amazing the landscape and you know location where they shot this film it's such a bleak and cold film. They play it so incredibly straight, and it's so insane, though. Like we said, these archaeologists like are looking for Santa Claus, and there's this like idea that Santa Claus was not a good dude. He was yeah, a fucking yeah. Creep. This is not. This is not this, jolly. This is not. No, bull they're bull. not like let's dig up Santa Claus. Like everyone's just like this is dangerous, but we have to do it. And you're like, why? And then of course. They dig them up, and there's some cool twists and turns to this movie. Like the reindeer farm. Yeah. You know, the, the nearby villages have this reindeer farm where they, I guess, farm reindeer. And when they farm go to pick up the reindeer, yeah. they're just all slaughtered and dead. All just murked, murked yeah. everywhere. Yeah, dude. When they find Santa Claus, you're like, 
a pretty uh, methy Santa Claus here. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like not the not the typical idea of a Santa Claus movie. That's why I really yeah, like it. This really just, shriveled, very naked, dirty, yeah. bearded old man who you later discover isn't Saint Nick himself, but is actually one of his elves. And these oh, elves don't. I think look. that's a huge spoiler, though, bro. You think so? Oh, I think that was an awesome reveal. You're like, this is Santa Claus, and then it's not. It's just an elf, yeah. but makes sense because all the mall Santa Clauses, you're like, oh, those are those are Santa Claus helpers. We have Santa Claus. There it is. Like they yeah. they play with that idea. And the movie has way more old man dong than I thought it was gonna have. Like, A lot of old men slinging dong. Man. Yeah, that third act is heavy on the old man In dong. Very cold weather. Yeah, we're like these guys are running the snow naked and they're all old, and you're like, what the fuck? I mean there's just some it's such a strange movie because you're watching it and you're like it's good and then you if you take a step back and you actually think about what's going on it's ridiculous but if you just think of it as like you know some other creature but it's not a creature it's santa claus you nailed it like all the actors play this as straight as possible there's never any wink to the camera even though the situations are quite ridiculous and that just adds a level of realism and and the film's photographed and presented just so gritty and real and and lived in plus the idea of casting a father's son as father's son there's a really natural chemistry between them yeah. um little peter gets his own rifle and gets to do all kinds of crazy shit he's swinging from a helicopter he's yeah. you know surrounded oh, kid, by old man dong kid, it, just, it, it, it's just <laughs> funny cuz this little kid's balls do drop in this movie and then you're like whoa uh, you're awesome and you're badass. He's hanging off from a helicopter and it, like the movie lulls you in and you're like, all right, I'm with it. And then they're like, check out insane. We are going to uh-huh. get, and you're like, right on that kid is great though. And it's got so much swag. Like you just see him in his like cowboy boots and his little like tidy whiteies. And you're like, look at this little kid. His and makeshift then, hockey outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I remember <laughs> seeing the cover to this movie and I've just watched it for the first time, you know? Oh. And I was just like, I'm not going to watch this because it looks stupid. Cause on the cover the kid looks like he's like dressed like a bellboy or like, you yeah, know, yeah. a nutcracker. And you're like, this looks so cheesy, but it's not. You know, it's just like a cool makeshift costume for him to like, you know, protect himself against the killer Santa Clauses kind of. You have grave to rob. Movie is just so unique. When they unearth Santa Claus, they also end up rupturing the mountain. This unleashes all of the old men killer elves. Yeah. For a while, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Is that Santa? Why does Santa look like a meth addict? Yeah. Um, but it, these elves are not your normal warm and fuzzy making cookies elves. These are fucking killer old men. Yeah. And what ends up happening, the entire point of the film, it's pointing its finger at the commercialization of Christmas. The entire outcome of it is to export Santa Clauses to all the places that might be in need of it. And so you really have this commentary that's just in this film that you don't even realize is happening until it's over. And you look back and you're like, oh, this is all about how mall Santas are started. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you're right. And it works. It fucking works. It does. And you also get a little kid uh, with a mullet on a snowmobile. I was surprised you didn't bring up your boy. I, I, I didn't actually. I should have. That should have been. I should have opened with that. <laughs> it's just like you, you see that really quick, and there's this kid with a pierced earring and a mullet and a snowmobile. And I'm like, right on. You don't really see a lot of, you've seen the mullet and the dirt bike, but the mullet and the snowmobile, I, I thought that was a wonderful touch. I think you mentioned this to me. The main kid looks like a like a young Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> he does. He does. Where you're like, oh wow, this kid's so like adorable. And then 
Boom. So some fun facts on this one, Doge. If you don't take our um our taste in movies to heart, if you're like, ah, I don't I don't trust these guys' opinion, then you should at least trust Kate Blanchett's opinion, right? Well, why is that? Because Kate Blanchett has said that Rare Exports is one of her favorite movies. Kate Blanchett, awesome. Which was, I would love of all to people like you're like right on. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I would love to watch this movie with Kate Blanchett. Like, like this is a fantastic film. You're like right on. I didn't think you would get down like that. I wonder if she'd Kate. be up for a sequel. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mrs. Claus comes back to get her fucking husband back. I fucking oh, love that. I love that, man. There we go. You know, uh, one other thing, a little history of this film. Uh, Jalamari Hellander, the director, he originally started it off as a short film, released it in 2003, two years before YouTube. So it did really well on the festival circuit, but didn't really stir up a lot of fanfare, you know? Yeah, I mean, talk about a hard sell. Like, how do you... It's such an odd film. Yeah. Well, he redid that into another short film two years later. It started burning up YouTube in its infancy. He ended up rolling that into eventually making this film, which was a combination of a lot of production companies coming together, as well as uh, Finland's Film Association and their support. He made this film on a $2 million budget. And yeah, this a film fantastic looks amazing on movie. its budget. It's a vision. I mean, this yeah. you can totally tell that this guy just didn't fall into this movie. Like He wanted to make this. This is well-crafted. It's definitely not not for everyone and it's a weird movie but it feels like it, he made the movie he wanted to make and that's always awesome when you watch a movie and it ends and you're like i know that director wanted to make this movie yeah and that's what i felt about this and it's also an exercise in perseverance here's a guy that just grinded to make <laughs> I his to film make this kill i gotta santa make claus this kill a santa claus movie and i'm gonna make it different this is not krampus no this is different this yeah you know because this is so serious it's yeah. just again yeah. so serious yeah but uh rare exports man i fuck with this movie i think it's a lot of fun yeah and if you want to check this out you can see it on shutter we are standing on a sacred grave doge what do you have for us next this is an adult Christmas movie that has a lot of drug use in it. <laughs> and that movie is The Night Before, 2015, directed by Jonathan Levine. It begins right before Christmas, 2001, when a young man named Ethan became an orphan. Excellent. Dude, I loved this film. It's a fun film. It's a fun film. And it's like one of those kind of forgotten ones, I think, that people just kind of sleep I on. had forgotten that I had seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen this film. And rewatching it, I was like, this is a lovely fun time. It's, it's a good movie that I've been seeing a lot lately, and I'm all right with it. And <laughs> this movie stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Ethan, Seth Rogen as Isaac, and Anthony Mackie as Chris. This is our trio of best friends. Friends come and go, but fans, that's forever, you know? <laughs> you have Seth Rogen's wife, Jillian Bell, who is hilarious. She's Always great awesome. in this film. Lizzie Kaplan, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> but to, to bury the lead, the best guy in this movie is Michael Shannon. Good evening. Michael hey. Shannon as Mr. Green. Mr. Green. <laughs> so before we talk about how awesome Michael Shannon is, this movie is about the three friends who are having the last Christmas Eve celebration. The past decade, they've gone out every Christmas Eve and just partied it up, eating Chinese food, going to FAO Schwartz. Just a night of karaoke. Yeah, just, just debauchery yeah. and hilarity. And this is kind of like their last hurrah. Isaac, Seth Rogen, he's about to have a kid. Anthony Mackie is this big football player now. And Ethan, old Joseph Gordon-Levitt, hasn't gotten over 
the loss of his parents and yes. he's just been kind of uh, which is why his two friends came together and they started this tradition right so his friends are like all right this is our last one we're done and then on this night ethan has found tickets to the nutcracker ball which is yeah. the holy grail of all christmas parties impossible to get into this is the pajama jammy jam of christmas parties <laughs> yes this is very <laughs> similar to that it's like one of those it's one of those parties that are so cool that we don't even know it exists i'm gonna teach you a christmas lesson you naughty boy but like we said this movie is is fun it's a little formulaic but it's a great buddy comedy that's adult just great jokes and the pace is fun and there's a lot of heart that you see in it but it just takes you on a wonderful ride and Seth Rogen's hilarious in it just on every drug his yeah. his, his wife in it is like hey this is your last hurrah and you know you've been so great during the, they're about to have a kid and he's been a really supportive husband you can tell he's gonna be a great dad yeah. so she goes on Craigslist <laughs> and gets him a box of drugs only as Seth Rogen says her proportions of the drugs are all off it's like one pencil joint <laughs> right. like a mountain of cocaine he's like <laughs> No, no, this isn't gonna work. Bag of mushrooms and all these yeah. mollies. And you're like, you're like, that is a great gift. She doesn't know that much about drugs. The proportions of this shit is all off. A box of drugs and a and a have a fun, night, a fun is, night is a great gift. Yeah, absolutely. So that's basically Rogan's whole arc on this is just tripping <laughs> balls and sweating in, in church and, and he's just a mess throughout the entire movie. Um, and he is Fantastic. Bleeding in Mindy Gallagher's drink. Yeah, he has some <laughs> blood drinks and he just kills this movie. It's so it's so much fun. But um the glue to this movie, as it is, it has this like kind of Christmas Carol thing to yeah. it, is old Mr. Green. These guys are always trying to buy more weed because Mr. They Green, Mr. Green. <laughs> right? A lot of people need me on Christmas, you know? It's a tough holiday. They are always having to buy weed because they lose it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So every time they have to buy weed, they buy it from Michael Shannon, who plays this role so fucking straight. Michael Shannon as a weed dealer, all right? Who just, uh, he just, who drops a little weed and knowledge. Just and weed he, knowledge. Know. Like everything's wrapped in weed. It's just like, everything oh. he says is so layered. You're like, maybe I'm high or something, man. I don't, or maybe you're in the present. Every sentence, you're like, this is yeah. so funny. And, and the history is he used to sell them weed when they were younger, come out of high school. So they haven't really seen him in a while. But on this night, they see him consistently. Just, like, I mean, he's the ghost of like Christmas present and past and future. And like yeah. each of these characters, it's really fun because they're all going through their own arcs. And they're all like legit arcs. You know, Seth Rogen is obviously becoming a father. Uh, Joe Score of Levin, he knows he's stuck. And he had this girl that was great and he lost her. And now he has this chance to like get her back. Yeah. And is he ready to commit? And then you have Anthony Mackie, who is this big superstar now, who's just all over the Instagram and all that. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's kind of lost his way. Yeah, and he's really not who he is. So they're all going through their own thing, and Michael Shannon does a great job of highlighting that. And I like the pun uh, there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I didn't even know it. Just you didn't even know it. Oh, natural uh, pun. I like that. It's good to see you kids still hanging out and smoking up. It makes me proud. I read that the reason he got this role is from that Funny and Die video when he read the sorority oh my God. girl letter. And I watched that again last night. And I, I try to watch that clip like once a year because it's so fantastic. But he really plays it very straight. You know, he like reads this letter and he's so dramatic about it. And then he takes that same energy and brings it to Mr. Green where you're like, everyone's doing their own thing. Obviously, like Seth Rogen is throwing up in a church. Like it's very over the top. Yeah. But Michael Shannon is <laughs> He's straight. listening to all the Catholics. He's like, 
is that what they really think we did to Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Looking for barf bags and great. Deer throw up in here. Swallow it like a girl would. Swallow it. But yeah, it's such a fun buddy movie, and I'm guilty of this too. Like it's that that last hurrah or that we had an awesome time last year. Let's try to do that same thing and kind of like chasing that high and that Christmas high. And yeah. like I know I'm feeling that same thing when I go back home. It's just like cool. I had an awesome Christmas. Like how do you like keep do making those memories with your friends? And the thing is like you really can't. You just yeah. always have to kind of you got to let it evolve. You can't keep on trying to do the same thing. And that's what really they all kind of learn to grow up and and that not even so grow up is just like grow on. You yeah, know? yeah. It's not like they're leaving each other. It's yeah. just, you know, some traditions have to change as we evolve in our lives. And for Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, this is something that he really needs to move on with his life. You know, he's had a lot of tragedy and their understanding of that, but right. he needs this. He needs to heal. And so the heart of this film is all revolving around that. And yeah, yeah. That's what makes it such a great Christmas buddy picture. Merry Christmas! Got any fun facts about this film? Uh, yeah, what's funny is that this movie they filmed in August. So uh, <laughs> the cast was just like sweating, wearing They're Christmas all wearing Christmas sweaters. sweaters. Yeah. That must have been like so hot. Another thing though, real quick, is that the use of Kanye's Runaway in this movie oh is God. perfect. I mean, like, I couldn't even think of a better song because they're, you know, they're spoofing big, so they're jumping on the piano, and that song has an awesome piano, and the lyrics are great, and the montage that cooks right into that, I was like... You can cry to it, you can run to it, yeah. you can party to it. Timeless! It also has a special place in our hearts. I mean, no. he once did an interpretive dance... <laughs> to that song yes. in front of a lot of people we won't mention names of yeah. and it was gorgeous though I didn't even know you could dance like that I didn't know either and yeah you're right there was some uh, fancy people here and it could have gotten a little cringe but listen to Kanye and I just did this interpretive dance and I blacked out that sounds like eight minutes long too. it is an exhausting <laughs> it was an exhausting undertaking I gotta admit I don't remember exactly what I did but when I finished the looks on everyone's face of like, wow, Bro, I just experienced There were people in the room that helped make that album yeah. and they were blown away. Yeah. Man, that was a special moment to bear witness to. I was very, I was very touched by you in that moment. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never be able to do it again, nor no, do we ever want to see the video of me doing it. You should it. never try to do it again. No. It'll, it'll be a disaster. But, but it was magic. And you're right. Every time I do hear Runaway, I'm like, I killed that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Jizz all over me. I like that shit. Oh, so there's a little fun fact here as you know, I'm a huge Eddie Vedder fan. Uh, in this movie, Seth Rogen's looking through the yearbook and they land on Joseph Gordon Levitt and he is voted most likely to be the next Eddie Vedder. Yes, he is a, a struggling musician. Yes. And he was voted to be the next Eddie Vedder. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, all right. I was voted most likely to be Pearl Jam's manager uh, when I graduated eighth grade. When's that shit happening? I don't know, man. When I, when I start getting into band management. <laughs> Uh, uh, also in this film, there are several references to one of our favorites, a movie we talked about way back in episode one. I'm um, I was going to try to sneak Die Hard in again, too. Die Hard is definitely my T2, where I'm like, we should, <laughs> I mean, this is definitely, Die Hard would be a triple Xmas movie. For, yes, if we know. hadn't already talked about it an exhausting amount, it would already be, it would be a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, so let's take a moment to talk about Die Hard right now. Yeah, I'll use Christmas this movie, movie yes or no? About. Of course. 
Of course. Like Even though Bruce place. Willis says no? But it still has the, the themes of Christmas, too. The hope and the, the getting back together mm-hmm. and there. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, again, I've said Bruce Willis has a lot of things that I don't agree with. And there you go. But in this movie, <laughs> they do uh, they do talk about Hans Gruber. Alana Glazer is a girl that kind of screws with these guys throughout the night. And she's all about the anti-Christmas. So she tries to be Hans Gruber in a scene and jump off a building. And then they have... Um, the Run DMC <laughs> banger, obviously. Christmas uh, and Like the script is really fun because it gives these like hilarious actors a lot of like fun things to work with. Yeah. You know, like that's a great character arc right there of like I'm the anti Christmas like villain there, and Anthony Mackie playing just an ego driven guy. They're yeah. like Seth Rogen on drugs. Like they're they're just yeah. fun things that the actors can play with, and they all run with them, and I think they all like deliver. And then also there's uh, there's back to back penis movies. There's penis in this movie. That is true. That is true. I didn't think about that. There's uh, a fucking there's an uncomfortable sized hog in this movie. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a beautiful hog. I mean, it really it's, is. It's Seth Rogen just really kind of talks about it too. It's, yeah, it, Seth Rogen's very high on drugs. May or may not have someone else's phone. Yeah, and may or may not have fallen in love with James Franco's penis. Yeah. So, <laughs> there so you go. if you haven't seen the night before, there's definitely that. For <laughs> Michael Shannon and James Franco's hog, those are the. That's all you need. That's all you need. So you can watch this movie any time of the year mm. with your buds. Yeah, that that's is a true. Good, good bud movie. And where can people see it? You can see it on FX or Hulu Live. The weed of Christmas present. Well, with that logic, isn't all weed the weed of Christmas present? Only on Christmas, kid. All right, Gary. What do you got next for us? What I have next is possibly my favorite new Christmas film. Oh. I'm talking about 2020's Fat Man. I've come for your head, Fat Man! Oh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Written and directed by Esham and Ian Nelms, the Nelms brothers. Oh, yes. The brother Nelms. (laughs) This film stars Mel Gibson as... Chris who? Chris Kringle. <laughs> Walton Goggins is the skinny man. Marianne Jean-Baptiste is Ruth. That's Chris's wife. And Chance Hurstfield as the annoying little kid, Billy Weenan. Yeah, that fucking wiener. Punch him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> you twisted child. Fat Man is about an angry, just absolute curmudgeon of a Santa Claus, played by Mel Gibson in convincing fashion (laughs) for real yes and and mel is fighting to save his declining christmas business meanwhile little billy a neglected and precocious asshole of a 12 year old hires a hitman played by walt goggins to kill santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking classic i'm lucky to kill santa claus whoa again like rare exports this movie does play itself pretty fucking straight. A little more tongue-in-cheek than Rare yes. Exports yeah. with its style, but uh, it's uh. just the anger of Santa Claus, or so the fact that he feels like, you know, he's failing everybody because the kids just aren't as good, Yeah, you know? Well, it, it plays with some cool things of, like, Santa Claus basically gets a government stipend uh, <laughs> on the toys that he delivers, you know? But 
there's a lot of kids that aren't fucking good anymore. You yeah, know? and he's like, like hey, I can't give toys like, to kids that aren't good. What you, like, I I follow the rules. Yeah. Like, there's a naughty list and there's a nice list. And what do you want me to do? And then they're like, listen, you're not making as many toys as you used to, so you're not getting as much money. But he's got elves. He's got he's yeah. got bills to pay. Santa's like, been doing this a long, long time. And it's kind of a dickish move by the government of not like you know yeah. taking care of Santa Claus. I really think just uh, as he says, it costs billions of spendings just. By by being Santa Claus, you know, like you should probably kick him back yeah. some money. And also, you know, he's like, you know, I should have charged everybody. Coca-Cola has yeah. been using his he likeness. Should, yeah, he should have used his <laughs> likeness. He ain't trying to make a buck. He's just trying to make the money so he can make more toys. Spread the Christmas cheer. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So you have this like weird kind of subplot of the government like takeover of like, hey, listen, uh, you're not making toys anymore, but can you make us some help you know, out the military? Yeah, make us some computer boards to control of war. Yeah, like, control fucking planes. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing is like you know Santa knows it. He's like, hey, you know my elves are fast and do great work. Some of the great best work. work. Great work. You know, for hundreds of years they've done this, and the military is impressed by how fast the the elves are doing their job. They're yeah, like, damn, yeah. these guys are really efficient. Eating uh, gummy bears and and cakes. The best way to live is to eat carbs and sugars six to eight times a day. I think that's you took that diet. Gary's like, I can work yeah. that. I can do that. Elf they diet. sleep in like twenty minute naps. And, and this just, is your lifestyle. I think that's really just eating sugar all day, sleeping for twenty minutes, and then there you go. Just ah, just oh, angry. That's why Santa's so angry. <laughs> But, you know, they do some great things with Gibson Santa. He is yeah. just gun-toting, bearded, angered. You think I got this job because I'm fat and jolly? And, you know, obviously, Mel's a very polarizing guy, and there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions on Mel, and he's, it, totally. He does yes. not make it easy to be likable when he's not on screen. But when he's on screen, is that guy fucking charismatic, man? That, That's accurately You know, well like, off the screen, yeah, he's not, you know, the best dude. I get that. But on screen, man. Dude still got it. I don't know what to say. This movie is a perfect role for him. I mean, he just, he commits to it. And obviously this movie doesn't get made with anybody but Mel, you know, yeah. and, and there's kind of some stories about that as Mel kind of championed these filmmakers who were trying to get this movie made. Like they would go around and try to uh, pimp this script and everyone's like, this script's awesome. Good luck trying to get it made because that's exactly like, I would have said the same thing. I would yeah, have read the Elms script. brothers spent what, 10 years trying yeah. to get it made? Trying to get it agencies, blah, blah, blah. And, and they got it into Mel's hands and Mel was just like, yes. I like this. Yeah. And then there you go. You're able to do this. But they said that, you know, he was down for the cause. Like they were shooting the climax of the movie in whether that was 34 below for four days, four days. Mel was there. Mel was there. Mel was wrapped and he was hanging out on yeah. set. And that's like, that's crazy. That's hardcore. And that does so much for the crew too. And I guess Mel being a pro knows that, Hey, if the crew sees me out here, then they're going to be like, all right, cool. I've decided to be proactive. Filmmaking isn't glamorous. Uh, and those parts like no, no no when you see a movie that's like cold in the elements i'm always like oh that's cool i'm so glad i wasn't <laughs> <laughs> like i'm glad somebody else does it because that's that's hardcore 
you talk about Mel championing this film. Yeah. Uh, you see it in his performance. You know, I described him as, you know, this curmudgeon, which he is, but there are these layers he puts in. He knows everybody. He's fucking Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, he knows people don't always have the best intentions. Like when he sticks up for the local bartender and, yeah. you know, sends this scumbag home to his wife and kids. Or just the idea that he loves cookies almost as much as I do. Oh, yeah. He's always <laughs> eating the cookie. and it, Because there is. there. There's some charm to that. You know, he's a curmudgeon, but he's just like more heartbroken. You know, he just wants people to be better. It's a great way to put it. A wicked soul bent on bloodshed was sent to collect my head. And how he adds to that character, you're like, this is crazy. And again, listen, this movie, it could be a suck awesome. It's definitely not a perfect movie. It gets them in the weeds and it's a little weird. It's not for everybody. But I will die saying that this movie fucking delivers the last 20 minutes of it. It's got like, a great If you're act. watching this movie, you're like, this is, I can't, I can't do this. This is too weird for me. Please just, just hold on yeah, to the last yeah. battle scene. When he returns, like Mel gives some of the, Mel gives like some Academy Award acting in the last scene of that movie where you're like, just give him the trophy. Like that's the best acting I've seen from whatever 20, what, when did this 2020. That was the best acting of 2020 is the final scene. Of <laughs> I will say that. that there's no actor that had a better scene than Mel Gibson at the end of Fat Man. Face to face, little Billy Weenan. Ooh, boy. That eye. Is that kid love. shit his pants. Dude, I shit my pants. <laughs> I shit that kid's pants, dude. It's like, it was so crazy. You know, I just haven't quite been myself lately. Walt Goggins, always great in everything, and he just delivers as this, like, again, heartbroken as yeah. well. This villain that, as a kid, maybe didn't have parents and only received one gift ever from Santa Claus. Yeah. Funny enough, his gift was a cop car, a little cop matchbox car, a little yeah, police car. Yeah, a little ironic there. Uh -huh, hit that uh -huh. there. This was the only goddamn thing you ever got me. Yeah, you know, you figure if you got coal from Santa Claus like one year, like there's no going back, right? You're a child and you hmm. you get coal. Is the next year I'm going to be good so I get some presents? Or you're like, just burn the earth, fuck this. How I think it's got to be you? an either-or situation because the coal's there, so you're, you're on the bottom. Yeah, now you're you on, need to turn your shit around. And I think as a kid, you still have a chance to do that. But if you're like in your teens getting coal, oh, you're oh, fucked, a, man. It, you're going to jail. It's, it's over it's with jail yeah. life for you soon. Oh, yeah, for sure. Juvie, no doubt. There's this like part where you're like, oh, man, like if you were waiting all Christmas to get some presents and you got hit in the mouth with some coal and like Santa Claus still eats the cookies and then leaves the coal, which I think is wrong. I feel that if Santa Claus is eating the cookies, there's like a contract there that you should at least be like, I don't know, man. I mean, giving a gift because be that's honest. a double Cookies whammy. are not that expensive and Santa Claus has left some very extravagant gifts for people over time. Yeah, I, but you're going to come into my house, eat my cookies and then leave me coal? That's the, that's the lesson learned. I took your shit and then I took a shit in your stocking and yep. it's a lump of coal. Um, I'm going I'm going down this kid's road too. I'm going down Walt Coggins' life. They're like, nah, if I got coal one year, like nope, no, no going back. This is the life you want me to live, Santa, then I'll live it. Oh gosh. Like you, he thought he lived outside of morals and consequence. The brothers were peddling this thing for over 10 years to get this made, which makes sense because, like, again, it's just an insane concept for people to be like, yes, I'm willing to give you millions of dollars for this. It's strange because if you came up to me and you were like, Mel Gibson as a gun-toting, angry Santa Claus, yeah, I don't see what the complication is with that, aside from maybe some of Mel's personal issues. <laughs> right? yeah, that, but that. on screen, which is what we talk about, on screen, I'm intrigued. 
Dude, for sure, dude. I mean, I think we're a little bit different type of guys. <laughs> uh, but yes, if if they were asking me for money, I I don't I wouldn't give money to a lot of movies. But this one, I'm like, yes, fuck yeah. If I had it, I'd be a producer on this thing too. I think this film above all others on our list is the most triple X misses of the triple X miss podcast. Yes, it, exactly. There's really it goes pretty fucking hard. And and what's crazy about this movie is it's like, oh, they went there again. I like a lot of these movies that we talk about how they just kind of unravel and you're like, what is this? And then they, there's another plot point and you're like, wow, I can't believe they actually, you know, did that or went there. And this movie does a great job of really going to places that you didn't think it was going to go, you know? And I'm really happy that they went there. Yes, me too. Um, so it is of my opinion, if you have never seen fat man, this is the next Christmas film that you need to get on. Maybe don't watch it with your youngins. Yeah. Um, no. I would uh, pour some whiskey, you know, set a fire, smoke a joint, and watch this absurd fucking movie that is so much fun and ridiculous and nothing like you've really seen before, honestly. Fat Man is coming to town, baby. Where can people see it? You can stream this on Peacock. No old man dick in this movie. I guess the cock and Peacock makes up for that. The Fat Man's got his eye on you, kid. What do you have next for us, bud? The next one is this underrated, under the radar, 2016 Home Alone ripoff. <laughs> Better watch out. Fuck! 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 Underrated and under the radar. Yeah, dude. It's all under, dude. <laughs> Take the under on here. Directed by Chris Peck over. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's with the dick jokes of this episode? I, it's not, but you're right. They're I unintentional. The thing, They're unintentional. Like, there's penis in that one. There's penis in this one. Peacock and then Peck, Pecker. Like, I don't know. It's a very phallic uh, episode here. I'm just know. immature. <laughs> Candy canes. It's just, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> what are you doing? All right. So, anyway, this movie stars Olivia de Young as Ashley, Levi Miller as Luke and Ed Oxenbold as Garrett. This movie, like I said, it's kind of like a Home Alone um, satire-ish, but just a, a little hardcore for the horror fans. In a quiet Chicago suburb, kind of like Home Alone, a babysitter, <laughs> Olivia, must defend a 12-year-old boy, Levi, from intruders, only to discover that the intruders are in the house. Whoa. Forgot to shut the door, doofus. You think it's a babysitter and a child against some robbers, but it turns out that this kid that's getting babysit is a full-grown sociopath. What the fuck? Yeah, he is 12 going on 30, man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> bloodlust 30, yeah. He is 12 going on psycho. <laughs> For real. What I like about this movie, I remember seeing it when it first came out. I was a big fan of it. I just really like how this movie unveils itself. It opens up like one thing and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then there's the, the twist and you're like, oh, very cool. And then you're like, holy shit. And then you're like, not bad. I like it. Yeah, it's a hard film to talk about without giving you all the secrets, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. But I think the thing most people would expect when you're doing Triple X Miss is you're going to talk about films like Black Christmas or one of its 5,000 remakes yeah. or Silent Night, Deadly Night or Krampus. Right. And I like that you went and suggested going with a deeper cut. Better watch out. Also known as yeah, what uh, safe neighborhood? <laughs> that's a title right there. That is, uh, oof, that's safe bad. neighborhood where well, no neighbor is safe. And it's funny because when I searched this on Roku, uh, I was just like, "Where's better watch out?" It didn't pop up, but it popped up as safe neighborhood. Clicked on that, and then better watch out started playing. So 
I don't know. Just a little, uh, yeah. You know, I had the same up. experience. I didn't understand it, and you clarified it. Right. Uh, my first time seeing this film, and yeah, it, it pays a lot of homage to Home Alone. Right. It's a different plot, obviously, but there, the whole idea that there's this 12 year old Kevin being nine, but you know, in this film, Levi's character being 12, yeah. going on 13, he's a prepudescent pre pre. Pre, he's got he's pubeless. Yes, he is a prepubescent <laughs> perv. Yes, <laughs> yeah. a lot of peas. Yeah, he's looking to. I like the alliteration. He's looking to score with his babysitter. All right, and she's a few. She's only four years older than him. She's like twice our age. Which is like, I think you twelve year old should probably be able to stay home alone, right? I don't know. I well, not when you learn that this not kid's the, a not this fucking kid. psychopath. Right. This kid is fucking crazy, and how they just reveal it, and it starts off a little weird. You're like, oh, this is so like kind of cringe, and you feel like you know what's gonna happen in this movie, and the first act is a little like, oh god, um, this is so predictable, and then it and then it flips it. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's really more of a fun kind of really dark thriller. Yeah, um, it's not outwardly gory, even though there's a lot of implications of that. right and they even kill someone in a very uh tribute to home alone type yeah. of way <laughs> there's there's definitely a home alone callback in here but it does a good job of like dropping those little seeds and and the foreshadowing and the movie is a little gruesome but not gratuitous or there's no torture porn there's just yeah. like you know they show you enough where you're like oh okay that's cool and there's a lot of just implications and undertones that add tension and just, you know, kind of sleaze to the film. Like I said, you know, the, the kid's still a kid, but he is almost 13 and right. he ain't right in the head, man. No, he um, is not. And you really worry the entire time for the babysitter. And he involves his best friend who he basically manipulates. He's such a jerk. Played by Ed Oxenbold. Yeah. Why do I know this kid? He was in M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. He was in that. He's pretty good. I, I He's like great. Him. I actually really thought he was great. But, but what's funny is that both him and Olivia were in The Visit. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. And so, I don't know, I guess- Get the band back yeah. together. And Chris and, Peckover was like, if it's good enough for M. Night- Yeah, I could make this work too. Right sure. on. You know, this film does have some twists and turns on the normal home invasion film. Yeah. And it is a Christmas film. You do have some great cameos by the parents, Pat. Patrick yeah. Warburton and Virginia Madsen. And so we, we learned that, you know, Putty became a dad. Putty, Putty got, <laughs> Putty became a dad. Exactly. <laughs> what I noticed is that the fake Zach Efron is in this movie, the guy from Stranger Things. I was like watching this scene. I was like, this guy looks like a fake Zach Efron. And then I was just like, oh wait, there is a fake Zac Efron. <laughs> and that was the guy. That was pretty fun. That was a fun character. That was a cool little moment. You're fucking Home Alone again? They show a lot of homage to Home Alone. I Give mean, me some Home Alone references. So Brick, a Brick plays a part, remember? Yes, Home yes. Alone. Actually, it's more Home Alone 2 when you threw the Brick off and, oh God, that was hilarious. Anyway, the spider, there's a spiders in this, you know, the yes. tarantula. She even um, kind of screams. Yeah, like, right? Uh, yeah, like, she oh, even kind of screams like Daniel Stern. Yeah. Marv. Obviously, we, we alluded to the paint can, but you're going to want to watch that paint can scene. Death by paint can. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Then the barefoot gag. And oh, I hate the barefoot gag. But yeah, it's it's a fun movie that definitely I thought kind of went under the radar. There's some other things that could have been uh, tightened up on it. I don't know. No, you are way too young to be drinking. Give me that. Kids don't drink champagne like that, man. Exactly. It, clearly, <laughs> it, champagne doesn't work like that. You can't. Yeah. You pop a bottle of champagne and you swig it like in the movies. They when call you do it that, bubbly for a reason. Like it will 
blow your eyes out. There's no way this kid's drinking champagne for the first time and he just slams it back like a G. Like there's take some skill to that. And I know that 12 year old does not know how to do that. I've seen many a people fail at that. That shit's coming straight out your nose. Like, oh no. Want a printer in the mood? Watch your horror movie. There's um, tons of horror films, Christmas horror films out there that we really want to kind of like hit one that maybe you, you didn't know about. We know you've seen Krampus. We know you've seen A Christmas Horror Story. We know you've seen Black Christmas. We know you've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. But have you seen Better Watch Out? Safe Neighborhood. <laughs> Where can people see <laughs> Safe Neighborhood? Uh, yeah, you can try to find it on Roku and get lost, but uh, you can watch this one on Shudder. Don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. The final X. The final X in this Christmas Xmas episode. Yes. I'm talking 1988's Scrooged. What would have happened if I had made different decisions? Do you know what I mean? Oh, hell yeah. The classic directed by Richard Donner. We were saying we're not going to do the obvious Christmas movies. We take it back for this one. Because <laughs> it's, it's, we cannot not talk about Scrooge. Well, yeah. And this film is a triple X Christmas movie. I mean, we got... Bill Murray as Frank Cross. He's our Scrooge. Karen Allen, John Forsyth, John Glover, Bobcat Goldthwait, Carol Kane. Oh, Carol Kane. Robert Mitchum. I mean, they've got a they great- They got Robert Mitchum in <laughs> Robert this movie Mitchum just like- As Preston Rhinelander. He's, he's the OG of the television network. Yeah. He's so Robert Mitchum. <laughs> yeah, he is, man. He is very Robert Mitchum. Why do you keep calling me Dick? What Scrooge is about, Frank Cross, that's Bill Murray, is a selfish- cynical television executive he is haunted by three spirits you've heard this the ghost of christmas past presence and future on christmas eve each ghost brings a lesson of life or death <laughs> that is to be learned that's right this is a 1988 version of charles dickens classic a christmas carol directed by richard lethal weapon donner and starring bill murray beautifully said yes scrooge is the meta of the Christmas Carol movies, you know, he's producing the Christmas Carol and he's a scumbag <laughs> and he gets visited by the ghost that he's trying to even just produce it. Well, you said if it happened again, then I should come by. Well, what, what happened? It's an amazing movie. And I think my favorite Christmas Carol remake, you know, like that. I don't want to watch a Christmas Carol. I want to watch Scrooge because it's basically the same thing, but yeah. fucking cooler. Although the Scrooge McDuck one's pretty good too. Yeah, that one. Don't, yeah, don't <laughs> get me wrong. Now, and you're right. I should have given that a shout out too. That just didn't fit. Yeah, I agree. I'm either fucking with Bill Murray or Scrooge. And that makes sense. It's perfect color, perfect like look, big business, Wall Street, that like sleaze. Yeah, suits uh, and hairsprays. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah. Glossy shit and just... Just gray VCRs. It's such a weird, like, look and feel to a film, but God damn it, if I don't watch this movie every Christmas... Scrooge is a regular rotation. Because they play it on, like, AMC all the time. It's just, mm. like, a constant thing. I remember a few years ago, I was watching Scrooge, and my roommate came home, and he was like, oh, right, right, we're watching Scrooge. And they went off and fucked off, and then he came back, like, a few hours later, and Scrooge was still on. He's just like... Are you watching Scrooge again? I was like, they started playing again, and I just kept they on. Just pulled here. a Christmas story I with it, and just I threw it on Scrooge repeat, back to back. I was like, bring it back, <laughs> commercials and all. Like it's just like, why did oh, I, I spend six hours watching Scrooge? I couldn't get enough of it, and that's wow. what I love about this movie. Sometimes that just happens, man. Slap me in the face. What makes this film obviously is Bill Murray. There's a great ensemble put around him, but Bill Murray. 
as Scrooge is just one of those classic roles that he's put on screen for us, yeah. you know? And it's funny because it's like really his first lead, you know? Like all his other films, it was just an ensemble, you know? It was just Bill mm. Murray had Dan Aykroyd or he had Chevy Chase, Harold Ramis. It was always like an ensemble and other characters in it, you know? Stripes, John Candy, like it was all these like... But I'm just saying this was his like first like big leading role one that he had to take on. Yeah. And uh, Richard you, Donner, fresh off Lethal Weapon, yeah. just blowing Be- up everything. Between, he was like, I'll do Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2, but... In between, I'll do Scrooge. We're like, wow, that's a nice little uh, three-piece there. Well, they can handle this. This isn't a big deal. Love Bill Murray's performance. Love his work with Carol Kane. Um, Oh, my God. And just his interaction, really, with everyone around him. And his just refusal to admit his own personal fears and shortcomings. He's become so guarded that he is an asshole to everyone that is in this film. Leave me alone. All the relationships in his life, he is destroyed. Exactly. As we we say that like, you know, there are some actors that could just play the perfect asshole and you can't even be mad at him and like god does Bill Murray play the perfect asshole and you're like this guy is horrible and it really isn't until the ghost of Christmas past takes him back and you see how charming he can be though too it's just like really yeah. fun because he's such an abrasive dude and then you see him with his love of his life a few years ago before he got greedy you know yeah, him Karen and, Allen him and Karen Allen have Fantastic chemistry, and he's so sweet, and he's got an awesome moulet, too. Uh, His moulet is fantastic. I mean, it's just hair sprayed up in the perfect place. Just business on top, party in the back. But it's weird, because they said that it was like taking place in the 60s. Like, in 67, he was rocking that thing. And I was just like, that seems like more like an 80s thing. It was uh, kind of strange. I thought it was ten years earlier, but was it twenty? Yeah, it like was so that like, would be like hey, yeah. that the timeline. I don't think really worked for me, but I didn't really care because it was, no, like, I didn't oh, care. Yeah, it was Bill Murray's awesome moulet. Yeah, it was like yeah. you're like that's amazing because it did, it looked like it should be his moulet in the movie as the the executive. He does you know? rock a a partial moulet in the bit. film, but it's not the extreme dream that no, he shows that us early like, on. Yeah, that was a main there for sure. Did our people do that? We're gonna get phone calls. But it's just the subtleties that Bill Murray does. Like his like his face expressions. He doesn't have to even say anything. What he doesn't do is hilarious, you know? One of my favorite parts is he's at lunch, starts yeah. losing his shit. The waiter's on fire. He's <laughs> not on fire. And he just freaks out, throws water on him. When he's walking away after he just completely embarrassed himself, uh-huh. how he just slips and, and then falls. slips and bites it and gets up. You're like, and almost like, bites it again though. Yeah. It's like a double step well, too. How do you because he's not really Did that happen build. intentionally or was it an improv he went with? I can't I, mean, I can't knows? tell. There's another scene towards the end where he accidentally he's throwing his arms up in the air and he hits his assistant and she plays it off like and then they go with it in the film. Yeah. But it looks so unintentional. And Bill Murray's such an improv master oh, yeah. that you don't know sometimes. You're and like, maybe he doesn't you know? either. I don't know. Are you talking about regret? Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about regret. <laughs> What's funny is like when we were just discussing this, you know, we researched this movie, figured out a little bit, found a little dirt between Bill Murray and Richard Donner. Yeah. That they kind of surprised me, at least. They, yeah. were, they were not the best friends. No, they did not get along uh, well. I was kind of shocked by that. I never heard that. It didn't look like it. Typically when, you know, actors and directors don't like each other is because they made a shitty movie and they're both blaming each other, right? But I thought this is I a mean, good movie. There is precedence to this. Look at Herzog and Klaus Kinski. Like those guys made amazing films together and wanted to murder each other on the real. 
True, you know, but they kept on work. You know, like <laughs> for, for a little while, yeah. yeah but, but these guys are a one and done. You know, yeah. But it was just kind of interesting uh, when asked about you know Bill Murray's relationship with Richard Donner, and he said, um, "We only got into a few arguments every single minute of the day." <laughs> <laughs> That's how he described that. Uh, Murray said something like, "There's only maybe one scene that had his takes in it." In the final film, you know, for people that don't know, Bill comes in, he absorbs the script. And then what you're going to get is a improvisation of that script. That's what you're hiring Bill Murray for, generally speaking. You gotta let him fly, man. Exactly. And apparently that was not the way Richard Donner wanted to do things. He said it was that directing Bill Murray was like directing traffic in the dark. (laughs) 42nd Street and Broadway. Yeah, it was just like that. But it was like, huh. Hey, I am all kinds of nobody in here coming at me for me. All those you get over the whole other this in here. You know, they're really by full nightfall of Gia. I swear, by the I forswear. Richard Donner is a a fine director. He has yeah. made some great films and has got some good performances, but you're just like, all right, I guess like maybe he was right, but I just can't believe that I'm not taking Richard Donner over Bill Murray. I can't, I'm always going to take Bill Murray's side where it's yeah. just like, yeah. what's that? What's the Bill Murray Scrooge cut? I didn't even know that there was like an option of that. He claims that there's so much stuff that was left on the uh, editing room floor. And you're like, I would love to see some of that stuff because he was on fire in this movie. This is my Christmas wish. Yeah. All right. It's for all of the cinematic quicksand listeners to petition <laughs> to get the Bill Murray cut Bill of Scrooge. Bill Murray cut. We need this for next Christmas. We need this. Absolutely. He has no interest in doing it, but <laughs> I fucking want to see it, and we're going to make him do it. So What's the cut, Hashtag man? Bill Murray cut. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. There are some great co-stars in this film. Oh, I think yes. Carol Kane's probably my favorite. I'm the ghost of Christmas present. I had a funny feeling. Carol Kane, like, I swear. So when I was a kid, I just always, I had a crush on her in this movie. There's just some weird, some weird things happen there. I think there's some weird energy though, being a kid, having a crush on Carol Kane in this film. And now I know why I'm into getting yelled at and slapped around. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking Carol Kane and Scrooge did that to me. Who saw that coming? But goddamn, is she not so adorable and awesome in this movie? And it's really had some long-term effects on me. Wow. Yeah. I just kind of unearthed that when I was watching this movie i was like oh it makes sense but what's funny about that is that carol kane hated playing that role she was really like she would have some breakdowns because she didn't like being that mean and uh, and aggressive but she's so charmingly mean yeah but bill kept on like pushing her and he was like pushing the physical comedy of it so it's like no no you're fine you're you know hit me and do that and she's just like was so uncomfortable there's a part where she like pulls his lip and mm-hmm. she actually pulled too hard and like ripped his lip like the that was attached to the gum like oh. that. And they actually had to shut down production for a few days until he can heal. Because yeah, so, how's he gonna talk? Yeah, he's, blah, blah, blah. ripped that like that piece of skin and I'm like oh that uh. that's horrible too. And I'm sure she felt very bad yeah, about that. That's gonna help. And I'm sure that hurt so bad. Oh fuck, oh. man. Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. As <laughs> one of my little favorite segments is uh, the old man with the mouse. <laughs> How am I going to oh. get these antlers on his head? Have you tried staples? Staples? Don't you dare. If you staple that little mouse, I'll call the Humane Society. So perfectly casted. A little funny thing is that the cab driver got this role because he's good friends with Bill Murray and uh, Sam Kinison was supposed to be the oh, cab driver. Oh, of course. He has very like Ray Liotta vibes. I thought it was Ray Liotta <laughs> when I was a kid. I was like, oh, that is. I think he's more like uh, Nicky Cat. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Looks like him a little bit. But uh, he is David Johansson, and he goes by Buster Poindexter, who is the guy who sang the song Hot, Hot, Hot. Oh, you feeling hot, hot, hot. Don't think too much. We can't I can't. I know. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, that's it. We're all done. We're sued by uh, Buster Poindexter. Got, got the last laugh on Cinematic Quicksand. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I had no idea that guy sang hot, hot, hot. Go figure. So uh, Another fun fact is that all of Bill Murray's acting brothers are in this. We got John Murray, Joel Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, who's obvious, who plays his father in the flashbacks. Yeah. You got all the Murrays. You got all man. the Murrays, which is which is great. It's a it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. What's a Christmas, Christmas movie? miracle? Without some family, man. That's <laughs> what it's all about. Shout out to Bobcat. He was great. He had a great moment in the '80s, and he still makes some cool, interesting movies. But man, if they made this movie today, hundred percent. Charlie Day would be playing that Big role. time Charlie Day. Vibes. It is Charlie Day energy. I never like, I was just like, oh, okay. That's just like, that's 80s Charlie Day. You yeah. Know? Bobcat is 80s Charlie Day. Yeah. Love she it. Broke that case over. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got to say, I'll admit it. Um, there's a storyline in Scrooge with his secretary's child who doesn't talk, you know? Yeah. Little, yeah. little kid doesn't say anything uh, since his dad died, right? Or left or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the kid's supposed to be like nine or ten. And yeah. He looks like he's five or six. <laughs> yeah. And he's <laughs> so adorable, man. but he doesn't say a word. And I'll admit it, man. Every time I watch this movie, every single time, as soon as that kid just like pulls on his uh, sleeve and says, God bless the world, I shed a tear. Like he does me every <laughs> single time. That monologue with Bill Murray and that little kid, I'm like, God damn it. And, uh, it's still like I just, just warms happens. the heart, man. Oh, it's so beautiful. Breaks toes like, down. Oh, I'm like two times in a row. I'll cry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I can't say enough about Scrooge. You've seen Scrooge before. If you haven't, just turn on AMC and sit down for the next six hours and watch it twice because it's the best. It's the best Christmas movie. If you touch me again, I'm gonna rip your goddamn wings off. Okay. All right, Doge. That is triple xmas much like the end of christmas this is this how i feel like i'm just i'm a little exhausted but i'm so happy that i experienced this you know this is a lovely experience through the triple xmas movies just like christmas day you know it's been a long exciting day and i'm just ready to unwind so when did you discover santa claus wasn't indeed real well the thing is santa claus is still real to me you know, it's still, yeah. he's still in my heart, still believe it. I, I still hold on hope. Understood. <laughs> uh, but when I did have that moment, it was oddly enough on Christmas Day. And of course. <laughs> I got this awesome G.I. Joe like black speedboat, and you press this button, and all these like missiles launch out of the front of it. Really cool. And right when I was like looking at it, my parents were like, oh, yeah, check this out. Press this button and launch all these missiles. And once that happened, I pieced it together like immediately. Like, <laughs> usual suspects. I was like, wait a minute. How do you know that? You didn't know that. You built this. Santa Claus isn't real. <gasps> and then I melt down and I ran up to my room. And then my older cousin had to come over and like talk me down. And then I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. I was like, maybe, maybe Santa Claus is real. And they just had the instincts. But, you know, that was the... That was the time. That yeah. Once one, you man. know, you know, it's never yeah. the same again, man. It is. It is. <laughs> it was great uh, getting in the Christmas spirit with you, my friend. I I wish you a Merry Christmas beforehand and, and even after. Like every day. Make, <laughs> make Christmas be every day for you, dude. That's what I want from you. <laughs> bah humbug. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I hope that you have a great time freezing your ass off in Chicago. 
Give my best to everyone. I will. And uh, for everybody out there listening, have a happy holiday. Yeah. A very merry triple Xmas to you all. Whatever you whatever you celebrate. And listen, I don't like it's not like I don't celebrate Christmas because I believe in Jesus. I don't do that. It <laughs> has nothing to do with it. I, I like just to believing in people and my friends. That's why like when I'm in the Christmas spirit, it's just because I love my people around me. It's not it has nothing to do with anybody right? else but yeah. the love I have with my friends. So I do still sometimes mean to say happy holidays, but you know, just happy holidays, do whatever. Be nice. Be yeah. nice to people Whatever you celebrate, today. celebrate it hard, man. Yeah, celebrate it and know that we're all celebrating kind of the same thing, which is our loved ones. All right. Uh, until next time, I am Gary Michael Schultz. And I'm the Doge. And this is Cinematic Quicksand. And I'm sure Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples. Follow Cinematic Quicksand on all your favorite social media and podcast platforms. Music for Cinematic Quicksand was written and performed by Rudy Mancuso and Jamie Rise. 